July 27th. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. It's the mailbag. I'm Peter Apple. That's Arm Layton. We're doing a late night record. Honestly, thank you, Arm. It's about 11 p.m. Eastern over there on the West Coast. You were just at Fenway. You were just checking out some prospects. Before we get into all the questions, what'd you see today? Dude, it was dog day. So I'm, I'm over in South Carolina and it was dog day for the Charleston River Dogs, low A. Um, every Tuesday, they have a just just bring your dog to the park and then they also do like a big you know pet adoption uh kind of just call to action there's a bunch of puppies everywhere and it was really hard to like leave there and not adopt one so cool it was just like another reminder i know they do it in the big leagues but the the minor league dogs everywhere just like running around in the concourse it was super cool didn't really see that many exciting prospects i wanted to see carson williams he ended up getting the day off anyways but a lot of dogs a lot of baseball i enjoyed it i did miss yankees mets but uh, i think you kind of wish you missed that huh <laughs> yeah while you were playing with dogs i was over here just wallowing in my own tears at all the missed opportunities that the Yankees had. We're recording right after game one of the Subway Series between the Yankees and the Mets. Jordan Montgomery got smashed like I thought he would be. And this is why you never parlay. You know, I had the over and I had the Yankees. If I straight bet them, I would have came out okay. But instead, we lost. And that's why you never parlay, people. But at the end of the day, this is about baseball. And the Yankees were not playing very good baseball. Talk about missed opportunities the Anthony Rizzo stolen base, the IKF getting picked off, leaving 18 runners in scoring position. Not a good game for the New York Yankees. And I thought I had a funny tweet. I said, Joey Gallo, you got to give credit to him in that AB versus Edwin Diaz. He struck out on five pitches rather than three. He at least gave them a battle. And did I take his over under on foul balls in that at bat at 0.5? Yes, I did take it. So at least we got a win there. That's obviously (laughs) hypothetical. I mean, what a disaster that was. But we move on because we have plenty of questions in this mailbag asked on our Instagram and on our Twitter, Twitter at just BB media and on our Instagram at just baseball show. Let's get just straight into it. Unless you have anything that you want to talk about beforehand, there is some Uh, news, but I feel like with some of the questions, we can kind of interject the new news of the day. Yeah, there was, you know, I want to talk about Drew Jones, obviously, but we can get to that when we get to the D-backs question, obviously, like unfortunate news coming out of there. So we'll talk about that there. But um, no, man, I'm excited. A lot of really good questions. It's it's, We talked about this last time, so not to sound like a broken record, but it is pretty awesome and humbling uh, seeing how many questions come in. Because, again, like you remember how hard we used to have to work for questions. You know, we used to have to like repost it, you know, just like almost beg people for questions. We'd end up sending it in the staff chat. Half of our questions would be from our own staff. Like, and now there's so many coming in. Like if we didn't get to your question, please keep asking them. Yeah. Uh, we will get to them. We try to mix it up. We have some of the usual suspects that that get on here, but we like to mix it up 
it's just so cool to see all of the the new questions and also just so many questions coming in um, back from when we were like basically fabricating our own questions for the original mailbags. Thank you guys so much for listening again to the Just Baseball Show. We're going to keep you covered here with all baseball news, especially during the trade deadline and especially on JustBaseball.com. We have articles coming out every single second. A trade, basically, what is it? A, a deadline needs for every single every team. team. On JustBaseball.com, we're coming out with videos on State of the Division, trying to give you guys the best baseball content. And yes, this was the mailbag where we got the most questions we've ever been asked. We shortened it to eight because there are eight loaded questions. And hopefully, you know, there was multiple questions on the same team. So hopefully we basically talk about the whole league. So let's get straight to it, Aram. First question was asked on Twitter, and that comes from Henry Hayes at Henry Hayes, and you can find all of the tags in our episode description. So question number one, every year it seems under the radar deadline acquisition helps a World Series team. An example, Jorge Soler for the Braves in 2021, Daniel Hudson in 2019, Nate Evaldi in 2018. Who can be the under the radar deadline acquisition for a contender? His guess was Jose Quintana. Mm-hmm. I want to throw that over to you first because we were talking about this one pre-record because I don't think there's one solid answer because we've seen now so many teams say, all right, you know what? We're going to be sellers. Notably, the Marlins seem to be in that boat. The Tigers yep. came out and said, everyone's on the market. So there's a lot of answers here. Who were some of the guys that you saw first? Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know if he's for sure getting traded because he has another year of control, but I think it would be smart for the D-backs to trade him. Uh, Christian Walker is a guy that if he goes to the right environment um, and I know he's in a good environment now and we're seeing what he's doing, but if he kind of stays in a hitter friendly spot, I could see this guy just getting crazy hot over the second half and and really kind of putting a team on his back with the way that he can just leave the yard in spurts. 22 homers in 94 games this year. He's striking out the least he's ever struck out in his career. He's walking the most he's ever walked in his career. And what's crazy is he's hitting 205. Peter, he has a 192 Babbitt. So, I, I mean, I know that a lot of his hits are home runs, which, you know, it doesn't count towards Babbitt. So naturally, a guy that has a lot of home runs uh, as contributing to a portion of their hits, they'll have a lower Babbitt. But still, I mean, Christian Walker is a guy that could continue to hit, could continue to get hotter. And I like him as an option. And then Whit Merrifield. He's somebody that's just so talented. I know he's getting older, but he's still fast. He still, I think, has a lot of the abilities that he has always had. Maybe a change of scenery, his defensive versatility, his speed, his bat-to-ball skills. This is a guy that could really get hot in the right situation and I think could carry a team. And I'm hoping because I like what Merrifield, but he seems to just have kind of gone stale in Kansas City. I love those two picks. And I'm going to have two guys from the same team, both offensive players, because there's a ton of relievers kind of similar to that Daniel Mm -hmm. Hudson over there in Mm -hmm. Washington that could definitely make an impact. But these are two Tigers that I feel like they just need a different spot to hit. We look at Comerica Ballpark as one of the biggest ballparks in baseball, really tough to hit there. And then when you combine that with how dreadful this whole Tigers offense has been as a whole, nobody can get going. And I feel like that's resulting down the lineup. Oh, yeah. There's two guys that I really do like who are having really down seasons who I feel like teams can get for cheap, and they're actually really good players. First is Heimer Candelario. Heimer Candelario has always been a good player, especially at third base, but the biggest one. 
The biggest one, and this is a guy who I've really liked for a long time. I've talked him up in fantasy. I feel like he has great plate discipline, and he's always just been a solid player in Major League Baseball. That's Robbie Grossman, again, on the Detroit Tigers. He's an outfielder. Right now, he's got a 205 average. He's got a 313 on base percentage and a 278 slugging. But that's key there because last season, he was one of five players with 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and a walk rate over 10%. He's still walking over 11% this season it's just he's not hitting the ball hard he hasn't gotten going he's been dealing with injuries all season long get him out of Detroit and he I feel in the right situation could be a well above average outfielder I agree for a contender and not just a fourth outfielder but a really good cog in a lineup just get Robbie Grossman out of Detroit yeah. and I feel like he can make a huge impact and we're going to talk about a lot of teams that need outfield help we've been talking about Andrew Benatendi now feels like for uh, forever years it feels like yeah. even though he's just starting to get hot but Robbie Grossman I feel could be just as impactful as an Andrew Benatendi I really do think so for the all-around game talking home runs we're talking speed it's not like him defensively is that much worth than ben attendee either and the ability to get on base i really like robbie grossman maybe it's a little bit of a far stretch to say more than ben attendee but robbie grossman is going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than he will well and why can't he be this year's zeddy rosario you know i i think if he again gets in the right situation and and really uh, you know, finds himself in a spot where he's reinvigorated because we know Detroit just kind of feels like a graveyard right now uh, with the field and also with the lineup, like you mentioned. I, I would love, I would be calling on Grossman. I agree. If I'm a team, if the price is cheap, obviously, I don't imagine that the price will be that expensive given that he's, you know, free agent after this year and he's cheap at about, you know, 5 million. So it'd be whatever's left on that deal. I'm interested to see who goes and makes that more lower key deal. Uh, and it could be maybe the Toronto Blue Jays who are looking for a lefty bat. That would be an interesting landing spot if they decide to go a little bit lower key with an addition. But I like that pick. One other guy is Daniel Bard on the pitching side. I mean, what he what he's doing is as basically the closer for the Colorado Rockies, you know, really being able to lock games down at altitude. I would love to see what Bard could do. Really good stuff, you know, in, in another environment. But that's a guy that I think could be a, a an important piece for a World Series contender in the bullpen. And I'm interested to see if anybody can prime away from Colorado. And one more, because this conversation is very fun. Another starter, when you're talking about Christian Walker, I really think that Merrill Kelly could be an impact arm for a team. The command looks incredible. A guy who can eat innings, a guy who's been there before. I like what Merrill Kelly has been doing. Merrill Kelly is one of the least sexy names on the trade market, but could end up being a great option there for a contender um, if they need a a big-time starting pitcher. Let's move on to question number two. And this one is really based around you because it's about your Marlins. And you just wrote a great article on justbaseball.com. You broke down what the Marlins need to do at the trade deadline. So make sure to go check that out on justbaseball.com. But question number two comes from Kevin underscore barrel on Twitter. And this question actually got the most likes of any Twitter <laughs> post because I think Kevin is a big Marlins fan, right? Yes. You are, you're a yeah, fan, he, he does a great job with fist stripes. Uh, Kevin does an awesome job. So uh, he's got his own little following there and he's been hosting Twitter spaces. I know with Marlins fans talking the deadline. So I know a lot of people are looking at Kevin for deadline stuff. So they probably saw the question. They're like, they better answer this one. So uh, I'm excited to answer it. Shout out, Kevin. Which prospects can the Marlins get who will be major leaguers as soon as they are dealt to the Marlins and which major leaguers 
can they acquire? I also want to open this question up because Pablo Lopez, you just wrote an article about him as well, possibly where he's going to go. Yeah. So this is more, you know, what could they get for Pablo Lopez? What could the Marlins get? Could they get big league talent? You know, is it more prospect based? They need need bats and emphasize that enough they need them and i saw the tweet today i think it was from Heyman that you know they're listening on everybody except sandy alcantara and i also thought to myself well they can't be listening on jazz no no way but i just why did he say it was just sandy of course they aren't listening on jazz right I would imagine they're not, but like I, I think they're 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 not going to hang the phone up. Uh, if that, like, if you ask on Sandy, they're going to be like, no. If they if you ask on Jazz, they're going to be like, what do you got? But I think it's almost going to be one of those things where they're just not not keen on it. But Sandy, it's like, don't even waste your freaking time. Um, you know, Jazz does struggle to stay healthy, but still, I mean, this is one of their only bats, and young, only young, controllable. Control impactful bats so you know that's the thing if you're trading pablo lopez and and you'll see in the piece i'm talking about the the only reason i would trade pablo from the marlins is that he is like your most he's your ace in your back pocket where you're like this is the guy that can get you the impactful big league or close to big league prospect talent that nobody else on your roster is going to be able to get you right like anthony bass might get you a decent middle-level prospect he's not getting you a close to big league ready center fielder uh but i keep looking at the yankees man which is funny enough and i'm not even just saying that because i you know record a podcast with you like <clears throat> multiple times a week but really it, it's i look at the yankees and they have multiple guys that i think fit really well and I never thought I would say Esteban Florial, but Florial has looked really good this year. He's still relatively young. He's a good defender and center. His exit velos are phenomenal. He's putting, I would say, putting up the best offensive season we've really seen in his minor league career, unless you want to go back to like rookie ball. Something's clicked for this guy. We've seen a lot of guys start to click at the big or through the minor leagues in the Yankee system. And I, I think Florial, if, if the Marlins trade for him, he would plug straight into center field. I think they could give him a go right away. Obviously that's not the only piece you'd want like an Austin Wells or somebody else. And maybe even Everson Pereira and maybe the Marlins have to throw in bass on top of that. But I I think there's a framework there that makes a lot of sense. I also would love to see the Marlins try to pry Mason Wynn away from uh, the the St. Louis Cardinals. Mason Wynn's young, but already at the double-A level, already holding his own, could potentially be in the big leagues by next year. They're looking for a shortstop. That could end up being their long-term shortstop. Um, I would love to see the Marlins try to go get a Mason Wynn as well. Humor Marlins fans for a second, because we need major leaguers. I know they're probably hearing Estevan Florial. Like, I, I, everything you're saying is correct. I, I, he has been one of the guys who I've been surprised by the most in the Yankee system so Insane. far. I always thought he'd be, I, I didn't, thought I he'd be never fine. gave up hope. Exactly. I thought he'd be around major league average, that he'd be a big league center fielder someday, play some defense. But man, he looks like he could actually be a really good bat. So I'm just thinking about, for big example, leader. like, what would you do for Dylan Carlson about oh. like that? I mean, would a Pablo Lopez Dylan Carlson swap maybe make some sense? Or do you think that the Cardinals would have to give up more than Carlson or where are you at on that? Like what are some other, cause you know, Marlins fans, they need major league bats who have proved it. You know, I, they do. Look, if they could do Carlson, I think you got to do it. I, I'd almost think it's roughly straight up. You know, maybe, maybe the Cardinals add a little bit more, you know, maybe they add a, a pitching prospect or one other guy. Another one that I was kicking the tires on, I was seeing Cubs fans talk about wanting to add controllable pitching. I think the Cubs are pretty focused on competing in, in 23 and 24. Um, what about like a Christopher Morrell? 
Uh, Christopher Morrell looks really good. He's made swing adjustments, and he has been one of the best rookies at the big league level this year. I mean, we talk about Michael Harris a lot, and Michael Harris has been nuclear, but Morrell is one of the best throwing arms you're going to see in the outfield. He's a plus defender in center, and he's raking. Uh, Morrell would be a guy from the Cubs that if the Marlins could somehow pull that deal off, I don't know if the Cubs would be willing to part with him, uh, but they also have Brennan Davis and triple who's on the men. That's going to be back soon. They've got a lot of other guys in the farm system. They have Pete Crow Armstrong coming up you know, a lot faster than they thought he was. Maybe they're willing to trade a Christopher Morrell because they don't have a lot of pitching in their system. Uh, that would be a big leaguer now that I would love to see them get, because I think you can feel pretty confident that Morrell would be able to plug in and give you a lot better than what you're getting with years of control and still a lot of upside. I, I would love to see them go, go get somebody like that. So the Marlins have not performed very well this year, but they're not one of the bottom dwellers. And our question number three comes from Jake or Jack, excuse me, underscore Weber underscore one on Twitter. What should be some of the goals for bottom dwelling teams like the Royals, like the Tigers, like the Reds? And he added the Cubs. The Cubs fans probably don't want to hear their name, but the bottom dwellers. But at the end of the day, this is where they stand. And there's a couple others for the second half of the season. And I think that question kind of pertains to, you know, maybe who, how do you sell effectively at the trade deadline to make it so your fans are like, okay, we have a solid direction. For example, like let's start with the Reds here. Like the Reds could really make a killing trading away Luis Castillo, trading away Brandon Drury, trading away Tyler Malley, even in lower term guys like Donovan Solano, guys like that. What is your key? Because, you know, I don't mean to offend you, but you've been in a situation like this many a times. What has gone wrong and what has gone right in these types of scenarios? You know, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a few. <laughs> oh, God, bring it back some bad memories. This is I saw a talk in baseball, by the way, they, they posted like the Heyman tweet and they're like, Marlins fire sale again. I'm like, no, <laughs> relax. It's not a fire sale, man. Like I get it. I get it. They've done this a lot of times. We're not there yet. Um, you know, I think number one is get a B's for your prospects and hope that they continue to develop. I mean, that's number one, right? Like if you're the, if you're the reds or, or that would be innings as well, right? See Nick Lodolo progress, see oh, Hunter great. green progress. And, and then hopefully see some of your prospects get up there and start to hit a little bit more. But, maximize the return on those guys, right? You got to trade a Brandon Drury. You got to trade a Luis Castillo. And I think it's really just identifying those prospects that you really think, you know, you only get one shot to trade Luis Castillo. So you better not mess up, right? I mean, the Marlins got one shot at trading Miguel Cabrera. We talked about it last podcast. They messed it up. You know, it is what it is. They were two highly regarded prospects, but you get one shot. You better not mess it up. So you you got to sort through all of the different packages you're being offered and make sure it's right. But I think when you're looking at a team in the second half of the season, it's really just... Can you get experience for your minor leaguers and can you help develop them at the big league level? That's the biggest win because then it gives you an idea of what you're going with next year. Like if, if, if MJ Melendez is raking, if Nick Prado is raking, if Vinny Pascantino is raking down the stretch of this season here, then maybe they can feel a little bit better and in going into the offseason and say, hey, let's go like sign a pitcher or two. Maybe we can actually be Bobby Wood, of course, included in that. Maybe we can be a little bit you know, closer to competing this coming year than we thought we would be. And I think the Reds, it's similar too. If Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo shove, I think you could feel a little bit better about next year even to, to hold your own and be somewhat competitive. So I think that's the number one thing you got to be looking at. 
And I think the Royals are a very interesting team, too, because to your point, they have a lot of prospects right there on the rise. It, you know, the window is not quite open, but I think we can see it start to creep open. Mm-hmm. Who are some guys? Because we talked about Whit Merrifield. Like, if we're just going through the roster. Like, who are some of the guys that you see that they could probably deal and end up getting a return? First, I mean, we could talk about Andrew Benatendi because that's clear. But a guy like Hunter Dozier as well at over yeah, wow. third base could be a big power, power bat for somebody. You know, some of their relievers like Barlow, Stamont, guys like that. You can get decent sized returns from them. Really boost up that farm system and say, you know what? We're a rebuilding team right now, and that's okay because remember in 2015 when those same Royals did the job? Was Am I am I being stupid? Was it 2015 or 2016? I'm pretty sure it was 2015. Well, they made it 15 and 16, right? Yeah, I think. We're baseball <laughs> podcasts. We should know this. But regardless, we understand that the Royals are making their way through it, and we know that the window is opening soon, especially with all these bats. And Brady Singer looked really, really good in his last start. You know, I just don't know about the pitching long term. Like, use some of the bats that you have now. Use some of these relief pitchers and get as much pitching as you can. For a Royals fan to look back on this deadline, I think it's really trading away anyone over 30 years old. And yeah. if you can get exciting pitching prospects, that's a win for the Kansas City Royals. So there you go. And it was it was fifteen. It was fourteen and fifteen. By the way, they okay. won it in fifteen. They lost to the Giants in fourteen. Well, um, I was right, sorta. No, yeah, you were. No, you were correct when, when they won it. You were you were correct. Um, <laughs> so here here's the thing with the Royals, and, and they, this is a clear cut one because with the Reds, I would say you know just maximize return. With the Royals, get as many freaking pitchers as you can. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the trade that they made where they traded the 35th overall pick for Drew Waters, uh, a pitching prospect in Kaufman, who I actually really like. I think he's looked really good. And then CJ Alexander. Um, so th- they've already started that that domino effect. But when you're trading Ben Attendee, when you're trading some of these other guys, I think Michael A. Taylor, assuming he's healthy, can get you, you know, maybe a sneaky return if you package him with a reliever or something. Get as many starting pitchers as you can because you can't develop starters and you continue to see the stock drop on all of their young pitching prospects because they can't develop them. Get as many as you can and hope that some of them pan out despite your worst efforts to ruin their career or your best efforts to ruin their career. Like the Royals have just not developed pitching well. They're like the Marlins of hitting. Um, That's the number one way for the Royals. The number one way for the Royals to have a good a good second half is. Offensive prospects continue to get ABs, which they're doing. I'm glad they called up Vinny. Um, I'm glad they traded Santana. And number two is get as many freaking pitching prospects as you can. Let's just end quickly with the Cubs, because in my opinion, they're still the most confusing team. Correct. What is this? What does a successful deadline look for for the Chicago Cubs? Because, you know, trading Ian Happ is probably smart. Trading Wilson Contreras is smart. But you just said earlier in the podcast that they might want to add controllable starters as well. Like, what's going on? I don't know the direction. I haven't for a long time. I've really tried to look into it, and I continue to come up empty in analysis. I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the plan is. Did you see the, like, hug from Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras today? Yeah. Like like a very long embrace in the dugout, which was sad, but like that was clearly like writings on the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them's gone or both. Um 
I think a direction would be nice, um, right. you know, and maybe they have it and they're just, they're keeping their, you know, their cards close to their vest, Very uh, good. but a direction would be nice. Um, you know, I think you got to move on from, from the wisdoms of the world. You got to move on from those guys and, and really just start to, to get those young guys up there. Right. Like I want to see what they have with some of their prospects. I want to, I want to see some of those guys get some more ABs. Uh, but I, I really just, I want to see a healthy Nico Horner because he has looked really good when he is, when he is on the field, but uh, just a clear direction. I think you got to trade Contreras and you got to trade Hap and maybe Hap you can, you can hold on to since he's under control for one more year. Contreras. I don't think they're extending him. I think that's been pretty clear. I know. I think was it Jack that said he, he think they, he thinks they might be able to pull it off. I, I don't think so. Um, Get what you can get now. He, he's the best offensive catcher in baseball so far this year for the most part. Um, and, I think you got to maximize that return, but like, let's see what a direction is like, give us something Uh, because if they kind of stay stuck in the middle, I I don't really understand what they're going to do here. They've got some assets. You got to trade David Robertson, right? You got to trade some of those guys that, you know, have no part of the long-term future. Patrick wisdom again, as one of those guys as well. Um, And just hope that Suzuki and and your other guys can stay healthy and and just continue to develop. But what do you do with Marcus Stroman? Like, what's the deal with him? Is is he opting out? Would he opt out after such a bad year? Like, they've got a lot of interesting things to figure out. Um, but I, I think they've got to sell on those guys and, and do it before it's too late. Totally agree. And another guy like Frank Schwindel, like it's time to move off a guy like that. Even a Rafael Ortega, they can kind of move off too. Like these kind of guys that, you know, they aren't the sexiest names in the world, but at the end of the day, they're going to give you a decent prospect return. I just don't want them to kind of stand pat and just kind of pretend that they're contending when in reality, I think the writing is on the wall here that they aren't very good. And just to end it, end this Cubs talk, Go follow JB Stats and Info on Twitter. Our guy Colby is running it, headed up by the Mats. Jack called them the Mats. I do like that. Uh, two of our guys working on just giving you the best stats that they find during this MLB season. And this one was on Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom is the MLB's current strikeout king. He currently has 129 strikeouts and 372 plate appearances to give him a 33.9% rate. If he could replicate Mark Reynolds' 662 plate appearances from his record 223 strikeout season, he would break the single season record with 228 strikeouts. Reading that set, I just think to myself, how is Gallo not on there? But Gallo just probably hasn't hit enough. Just get enough chances. Which is actually incredible because it's- And he walks a little bit more. Walks a little bit more. Yeah, I'd rather see those ABs go to like anybody else. (laughs) Yeah, like a hurt Anybody else. Yeah, it went once Brennan's healthy, like yank him up. I don't even care. Even hurt. But no, he's hurt. hurt unfortunately, <laughs> he's got he's got to get back. But I, I would I would love to see them, you know, make a trade, get an infield prospect, get some other guys, and, and, and get those guys ABs and see how it goes. I mean, Nick Magical is already back healthy and, and you know swinging it back in AAA. Like bring that guy back up and just see what he can do. Uh, at this point, I, I don't see why you need the Rafael Ortegas of the world, you know, getting at bats when you know they're not part of your long term future. Absolutely. Let's move on to some contenders, and now it's going to start getting fun, even though I, hopefully that was fun for some yeah. bottom-dwelling teams. Fans, hope uh, you know that we got your back here. At the I'm Disney used to playing in the mud, man. I'm not as used to playing in the mud as a Yankee <laughs> fan, but I try my best because I do like to support all teams in baseball. Um, question number four. What moves do you think the Brewers could make to separate themselves from the Cardinals and the Padres to get them closer to elite contenders in the NL, like the Braves, the Mets, and the Dodgers. And that was asked by Creamer Brendan on Twitter. So 
I'm looking at this Brewers lineup today. And it's hard to say, okay, they should move off Rowdy Telez at first base and go add Juan Soto because it's not like Rowdy Telez is that bad, but Juan Soto or Juan Soto, Josh Bell is clearly better. You know, in in right field, left field, you know, was Andrew McCutcheon the answer there? Hunter Renfro was DHing. Pretty good. Luis Arias is at third base. Pretty good. It's hard to say, oh, yeah, go get this guy, but then bench this guy. They just seem like they're average starters. But if we're talking about outfield, because I still do think they should add an outfielder. Jonathan Davis is getting a lot of run in center field, and the dude can just defend like nobody's business. But a 600 OPS ain't going <laughs> to cut it, arm. 600 nah. OPS ain't going to cut it. There's a lot of great defensive center fielders. Like even a Michael A. Taylor seems like he would even be a better option. He, sure, be he can defend just as well as, as Jonathan Davis too. So mm-hmm. I look around the league and a guy like Robbie Grossman makes the most sense in the world because you still have these outfielders there, but you add a guy like Robbie Grossman, maybe even a high Mark Candelario at third base. So you're able to move maybe Luis Arias to second base because as, as good as the glove is with Colton Wong, like how much are you loving his offense right now? That That's what I was kind of looking at. But you look at the lineup, you know, you got Yelich in left. I mean, you got Willie Adamas at short, but then it's Rowdy Telez, then it's Andrew McCutcheon. It's just the lineup doesn't scare me. We know the pitching is great, and we know that even the bullpen is great. I mean, Josh yeah. Hader has been struggling. Like that's that's an under the radar type yeah. story that Josh uh, Hader's rocking a four ERA. I know, which is crazy, but at the same time, I'm like so I'm not worrying about that until like it, it's actually insane. He's up some three run home runs. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, here's the weird thing: is like what you said was. There's not one guy that's truly sucking. Exactly. But there's no one that's that good. So it's like you can't. Who are you swapping out? There's just a bunch of 95 to 103 WRC plus guys. And you're like, okay, well, who are you plugging and playing? And ultimately, the the great defenders are going to get the nod. But like when when Jace Peterson is one of your your F4 leaders among position players, like you're you're in trouble. Like that's not a team that's winning a postseason series or at least winning two of them. Uh, I would be shocked if they won one of them, because, again, the pitching is good. But as you see. Starting pitchers get worn down in the postseason sometimes, and you know they they're out by the fifth, and then you know you, you got to score runs, you got to score runs, and if you're not scoring runs, it's gonna be hard to win. I I think the outfield is the the obvious spot to upgrade because that could be outfield slash DH, of course. So you know, I, of course, I was looking at just DH wise. Of course, a Josh Bell would be wonderful. I would love to see them add a Josh Bell. That would be great. But outfield wise, I think there's a there's a lot of different guys you can look at. Of course, Ben Attendee seems to make a lot of sense as well. I think the power would tick up a little bit, given that he'd be playing, you know, in a, a little bit more of a bandbox of a field. But I look around the league and Ian Happ in division, are they doing that? I don't know. Uh, you look at some other options bat wise, Ramon Laureano, you know, that's an upgrade. I would like to see him in there, but you know, would they do that? I don't know. Christian Walker, that's one where I think could be a really underrated addition because he would instantly be their best power hitter. Uh, They don't need to break the bank. No, it's not that hard to get a bat that's better than what they've got. Christian Walker would instantly be one of their best hitters. And that kind of puts things in perspective. How about a Brandon Drury? Brandon Drury has been very clearly, and here's the thing, he's been an above average bat on the road. So I'm not going to fully, you know, discredit him with, with the, with the, 
great American ballpark benefit. He's been like a 118 WRC plus guy on the road. It's a hitter's park in Milwaukee. It's more of the same. I know it's not quite as nice as Great American, but it's still nice. Brendan Drury can play all over, as we know. So you don't have to worry as much about who you're going to take out and who you're going to put in. You can move them around and do what you want. I think Drury's a perfect fit. Again, I know it's in division, but I don't think that's going to really stop you there with, with Brandon Drury. And they really need right-handed bats that can hit a lefty. I mean, you, if you can re- find a reverse splits lefty who can hit other lefties, that would be great. But the Brewers have been one of the worst offenses this year against left-handed pitching. They have a 665 OPS as a team versus a 748 OPS against righties. That's a bat that they need to have. And I was even on the uh, I was on the phone with Ryan today. Um you know, does everything here at just baseball teams. And what I was, what I was talking to him about was the Dan Vogelback trade Yeah, that I understand that the Mets are not done because I kind of freaked out on yesterday's podcast. And I kind of wanted to just sit there and kind of have him not walk me off the ledge because at the end of the day, like it's not that big of a deal, but I was just like, I didn't like the move because I feel like the Mets need to add a bat that can really hit a lefty. And Vogelback has been great against righties, but can't hit a lefty to save his life. I understand that they're not done, but moves like that just don't really make much sense to me when you're trading away a reliever who has been performing well. Is he the greatest reliever in the world? Of course not, but he's pitched very well since he's got called up. He's still pretty young. That trade just didn't make much sense to me. And I don't want the Brewers to then go add maybe a lefty bat that can't hit a lefty at all. They need a guy like Christian Walker. That makes the most sense. And I was talking about Robbie Grossman again, who's a switch hitter who can at least add some positional versatility or not positional. I mean, he can add some versatility from both sides of the plate for you. So that's what I was thinking there, at least with the Dan Vogelback trade. And kind of while we're on the subject, quickly, what do you think about that before we get back to the Brewers? I was shocked that they moved Holderman. I, right? you know, I, I, I get it. It's another bat, but is he moving the needle? No, I'd rather, almost rather have the bullpen arm with control. He sure cut on three pitches against Albert Abreu. You know, playing, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was surprised by it. I didn't really get it. We'll see what else they do, but. It didn't really seem to make that much sense for me. I don't know how that moves the needle for them. Uh, Vogelbach, obviously not very mobile. Um, It's just the bat. And I don't really know if they needed a guy like that. So, uh, yeah, that that one was a head scratcher for me. But, yeah, I would love to see a Brandon Drury or Christian Walker type in Milwaukee. They don't need to break the bank again. Um, And their system's gotten a lot better. Uh, They they can afford to make a trade here or there. And and I think it, it, it doesn't have to be a blockbuster. And to my misspoke, I don't even know how to speak. My misspokenness about <laughs> about the um, about the positional versatility with Robbie Grossman, like Brandon Jury gives you that positional versatility. Oh, like he yeah. can play third base, he can play second base, and just add some pop. Another guy who hits a lefty, that's a great addition there. And it, I wouldn't worry about an in division trade there because not no. like Brandon Jury is that much of an impact player. He has been. He's a rental. He's a rental, a Luis Castillo to the Cardinals. That's when it's like, oh, will they truly trade in division? Um, Anything else on the Brewers before we move on to one of the more exciting questions that we have on this entire mailbag? Probably the most exciting. I feel like we've been asking asking the fucking Brewers to add a a bat for two years now. I mean, like you saw what happened in last year's postseason. I know it was more than just the bat, but add a a freaking bat, Was it more than just the bat? They pitched great. They didn't hit for an entire series and just went home. It, it, they're like, oh, wow, I'm shocked that we can't hit, and even though we don't have hitters. Like, Christian Yelich is not going to – he's still a fine bat, but he's not going to be MVP Yelich. Maybe last year you could hold your breath a little bit and, and hope. It's not coming. 
So go get somebody else. And I love Willie Adamas. But if he's the best bat on your team. He's the best bat. It's not even close. You're in trouble. You are in trouble. As much as he's been good this year, you are in trouble. This question I love. Create your favorite lineup of current players with three lefties, three righties, and three switch hitters. This was asked by Andrew and I don't want to mispronounce Bicicker, B-I-E-S-E-C-K-E-R on IG. Shout out you, Andrew, for the phenomenal yeah. question. So, so what we could do is we could list our three best lefties, three best righties, and three best switch hitters, or we could fill out a team. How do you want to do this? I, 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 so I had it set up where I was just my three favorite guys to watch of like each lefty righty switch. Okay. Um, I like it. That was the way I did it. I like it. Let's, let's roll with that because we can kind of maybe just put them in positions and maybe shout out some other guys in other positions that we do like that we would have added to the team, but let's just stick to the three best lefties, the three best righties and the three best switch hitters in all of baseball right now. So what did you, so here's my thing. I went with the the three guys I enjoy watching the most, which okay. is Jordan Alvarez, Rafael Devers, and Freddie Freeman from the left side. Uh, I love Jordan because, I mean, who doesn't love what Jordan does? He does so much damage while not striking out. And that's the same thing with Rafael Devers. When you defy what, what is done in today's game, which is usually power at the expense of contact, I, you know, it's, it, I don't hate it. I'm not one of those like boomers is going to get pissed about it, but you're not, you're not unique. Um, Jordan Alvarez, Rafael Devers are incredibly unique. Freddie Freeman's swing is so unique in itself. Uh, it's, it's just different. I love the, the way it looks like an uppercut, but it's really not the way he uses the whole field. I mean, he, you talked about on the last podcast, he's, he's been dynamite uh, so far this year for the Dodgers. Those are my three favorite lefties to watch right now. So, I like how you phrase that because I'm sure if you were talking about the best three lefties in baseball, Juan Soto would be in that Absolutely. conversation. Maybe even a Bryce Harper would be in that yep. conversation because this is how I did it. I My three best lefties in baseball. I think this is a good, this is your favorite to watch. And I'm just going to say who I think are the three best left-handed hitters in baseball. I went with Jordan Alvarez I went with Juan Soto, and I'm still going with Bryce Harper. I agree. I still think those are the three best left-handed hitters in baseball with clear honorable mentions to Rafael Devers, Freddie Freeman. I mean, we could continue to go down the lineup. I mean, there's so many good left-handed hitters in baseball, but those really were, I guess, the five that I was really looking at as the three best lefties. Let's move over. Yeah, go ahead. You have No, I was going to say, I agree. Those are the three best lefties, and and Bryce Harper, for me is is like I, I could throw him in there too in terms of guys I really enjoy to watch because he's just become such a complete hitter now yeah. as he's aged and just continues to get better and better and better and age like fine wine I mean I, I just I love watching that guy hit too I agree those are the three best hitters uh, but yeah go on so now let's move on to your three favorite right-handed hitters to watch because I have my three best righties, and this one might not sh- – it, it shouldn't shock some people, but it's definitely going to have people in the comments saying, what about this guy, what about this guy, because there's so many good ones, especially in the lefties too. I mean, switchers is a little bit more straightforward, but these lefties and righties, people are either not going to like this or love it, probably the former. 
Yeah. So my my three favorite to watch right now, um, Mike Trout, obviously, but just pretty the way good. he commands the strike zone is pretty impressive. And, and just the <laughs> swing is just stupid. He's pretty good. Manny Machado this year has wow. been a wonderful, wonderful watch. <laughs> like I will stop what I'm doing to watch Manny Machado ABs because not only is he hitting the ball as hard as ever. He's going the other way. He's like inside out swinging and like he's using the whole field. He looks like just the most advanced version of Manny Machado we've ever seen. Uh, I, even like his his fooled swings have looked good. I mean, this guy has just turned into the most well-rounded, uh, advanced, just mature hitter that we've seen from Machado, which I love. And then Trey Turner. Trey Turner was just a speedy guy. Now we're watching him just impact the baseball another dude that can slap it in the ground and burn the first base or hit it 450 like that's what i love about turner so you don't know what you're gonna get and yet bad it could be a tank or it could be a slapped ball that he beats out and that always keeps me on my toes so those are my three favorite righties to watch i really like that you mentioned trey turner because i feel like he hasn't gotten enough love this entire year because jack and i were speaking I think he's better than Carlos Correa. And with Fernando Tatis Jr. on the shelf, Trey Turner is the best shortstop in baseball. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, dude, now that he's hitting for power, what what hole can you poke in Trey Turner's game? Defense slightly and his playoff aptitude. He was not good with the Dodgers last year. And Jack and I were also talking about this. Trey Turner is due to be a free agent. I think the Dodgers, and this is kind of a simplistic take, but I kind of believe it. If Trey Turner doesn't perform in the postseason again this year, will they resign him? Or if he does perform well in the postseason, are they like, you know what? He's earned it. That's how close I feel like it's going to be with a guy like Trey Turner. But at the end of the day, he's been so freaking good for the Dodgers during the regular season. And he is just such a good player. When I say defense, if we're talking about pitfalls of the superstars of baseball, he still plays fine defense. I mean, he's not terrible over there, but I wouldn't say that he's great like a Correa or someone like that. You know, it's wild, too, is as you were talking about that, I wanted to pull up like that, that World Series run in 19 with the Nationals, and uh, he wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> he struggled in the World Series. I mean, like he had some big hits and big spots, and ultimately he, he was with a starter in an important position on a World Series winner, so you can only fault him so much. But, yeah, I mean, he, he disappeared in the postseason last year, and um, I do wonder if that's a factor. That being said, uh, yeah, he is legitimately the best shortstop in baseball right now. And, man, I mean, I'm interested to see how much money he gets and whether the Dodgers are going to pay it. I think they ultimately will because I don't know if you can replace that kind of production. Um, if anybody can, it's the Dodgers. But I don't know how many teams will really be willing to to beat that that offer that he's going to get as well. I mean, do, do the Yankees circle back or are they kind of just keen on Volpe being the guy at shortstop? Like how many teams can really – pay him um it would be interesting but that being said yeah turner's unbelievable I, you can't really poke a hole in his game like i said and moving into my best three righties and just a reminder paul goldschmidt is a guy who deserves credit here but he didn't make my three best righties in baseball because i'm not just being so recent right this is not just this season i'm looking at who do i want at the plate as a righty who's shown it to me year over year. And those three are Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Uh and Mookie Betts. Uh Those are the three. 
but I have to shout out Austin Riley for a second on. Yeah, he rakes again. <laughs> he is so good. He is. And I mentioned him before Acuna for a reason, even though Acuna deserves honorable mention, of course. But man, this guy, Aram, has to be considered with the best third baseman in baseball. He yep. was one of the best defenders in the entire sport last year, and now he can't get out. He started off kind of slow, but that doesn't even matter now. He is one of the best hitters in all of baseball. I mean, he's seventh in ex-WOBA. Do you know like what he's in hitting all in all of baseball? And he had a know, slow start to the year. Do you know what he's hitting in July? 700. <laughs> Close. 424 with 10 pumps. He's incredible. <laughs> day in insane. and day out, he hits a home run or hits the ball hard every single day. Doesn't matter if you're a lefty. Doesn't matter if you're a righty. I mean, Matt Olson's been killing the ball too, but Austin Riley is unfucking believable. And I mean, we're talking about a guy that, with the way he finished last year, was was you know not an MVP candidate, but one of the guys that we were like, oh, he belongs in the guys that get votes conversation, right? It's gonna be the same story this year. I mean, he's gonna hit more home runs. He had 33 home runs last year. He has 28 this year. Uh, the, the batting average, almost everything else looks roughly the same. WRC plus is is 23 points higher. Uh, he's gonna beat his F4 totals from last year. This guy's gonna get MVP votes. Um, and and we're talking about Goldschmidt and, and Machado. And I mean, this is a dark horse for the MVP. Dark um, horse for the MVP. I, with, especially with the Braves being one of the best teams in baseball. This is a dark horse for the NL MVP. Um, if he hits 40 home runs, which I think he's well on his way to doing, um, with an average, with fine defense or better than fine defense on baseball's top three team, this guy could be an MVP. Could be an MVP. Let's move over to switch hitters. This one's a little bit tougher. I have a couple of names I want to throw at you because I'm not sold that this, these are the top three because – Francisco Lindor did not make mine because if we're just looking at offense at the end of the day, he's like a 750 OPS guy. Yeah. That's, that's the reality of the situation. That's so what, what I went with, what I thought are the three best switch hitters in baseball. Jose Ramirez is number one. And it ain't it's not close. even close. Not even fucking close. It's Jose Ramirez. Number two, I put Josh Bell. Yeah. And I wanted to I, throw that at you because at number three, I have Cattell Marte. Yep. That's what I have. Is that what you have? That's literally those are my three favorite because that, that's that's how that's how extreme switch hitting has become. Where it's like either you excel at it or you can't really do it, and you see guys like Cedric Mullins give it up. It's just baseball's too hard now. Yeah. Um, Marte offensively, you know, in terms of switch hitting, is just is just more productive. Yeah. Josh Bell, I'm sold at this point that Josh Bell has figured out how to kind of replicate something close to what we saw in 2019. I mean, it's not like he just came out of nowhere with this. He had to rediscover it. I think he had to adjust to the league, adjusting to him. And he's clearly done that. Those are the three best switch hitters in baseball, I think. And I think they're kind of almost in their own department. Lindor is, is a wonderful baseball player, but if we're talking pure offense, I think those are the three best, most consistent switch hitters. That was such a fun conversation. All right, let's move on to the next question. Back to trade deadline reports. We had a little bit of fun there. We're back making mocks. Question number six. How do you guys feel about a potential Moreno for Scooble swap or other mock trades for Tarek Scooble asked by Noah BSL on Twitter? And if you haven't heard, the Tigers, and this was reported by Ken Rosenthal on The Athletic, 
they got the door open. Anybody is available. You probably heard that from this earlier conversation when we were talking about the Tigers that could get moved. But Tarek Skubal is a guy who is now on the market, who is now an unrestricted free agent, not next year, not the year after, not the year after. 2027, he's currently making a bit over $700,000 a year. Yes, he has a 388 ERA, but the peripherals look great, and he is their only good pitcher at the moment. Yeah. So it seems trivial to even mock trade for him, but the Tigers are listening. So it is worth talking about what a potential package could look like for a guy like Tarek Skubal, because you don't see a guy like this on the market almost ever. Yeah, what was weird about it, too, is it wasn't just like similar to the Marlins situation where it was Marlins listening on anybody. It was like he was specifically named in the report. It was like they're listening on Tarek Skubal. So I was like, what? You know, I, I can understand the approach of we're as a front office right now. We will listen to anything, right? Which is, which is specific probably what they should do. And it's yes. funny, Al Avila, their GM, declined to comment. I mean, he's got to be one of the worst GMs in baseball, right? He's got to be. And also, declining to comment kind of just tells you what you need to know. If you weren't trading Scooble, you'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not trading Scooble. Like, then, you know, you would comment on that. So I don't understand why you would trade a lefty who is proven to, at the very least, be this, which is a high threes, high strikeout, you know, solid left-handed pitcher under control until 2027, as you mentioned, who will get better, uh, surely. And and a a lot of the peripherals, like you said, point towards him being better than what he's doing right now. Why would you trade that guy when, you know, I I do feel good about what they're building system-wise pitching, like, you know, getting a Jackson Job. Ty Madden's development has been really, really strong. Uh, Wilmer Flores has been really good. But, I mean, come on. Uh, Reese Olsen has even been good. But, like, you're banking on that. You know, I I, I think it's crazy, especially with the struggles of Matt Manning, with the struggles of some of the other guys, with Casey Mize on the IL, you know, with Tommy John surgery. What are you trading Scooble for? The only way I would do it is in that mock trade, like a Moreno. I think you've got to seriously consider that. Um, but the Blue Jays ain't doing that, are they? How desperate are they? I don't. I don't think they're doing it. But how desperate are they? They need pitching bad, and now they get one that lasts them till twenty twenty seven. Yeah. You got to consider that if you're the Jays. Um, you know, you've got Danny Jansen and you've got Alejandro Kirk. I know you love Moreno, but from a team perspective, the subtraction to addition, it, it, it does make sense. But how many other teams can really offer that? I, I don't really see that many other trade partners that make sense in that regard. I know. I think teams are going to find it difficult to say, you know what? We're going to trade our best prospect in our system. Like, think about it. You know, if you're unaware, maybe, you know, you're a Yankee fan who doesn't know who Gabriel Moreno is. Imagine trading Anthony Volpe for Tarek Skubal right now. Or you go to the Mets and say, imagine trading Francisco Alvarez for Tarek Skubal. It just doesn't sound right. Like you're, you're, you're like, it's weird. You know, you're probably going to regret it in the future, but you can like understand it, I yeah. guess. I just... I don't want to be a prospect tugger. I I always I always push back on that because the prospects you're getting a guaranteed good good player, right? And you don't know what the prospect's going to be. But when you enter this echelon of like the elite of the elite prospects, generally speaking, you know it's got to really make sense. 
I think very few teams like the Yankees don't need it. The Jays might be that desperate yeah. and it helps them for the, for, for the foreseeable future as well. The Jays, that Moreno trade, I think makes so much sense. Anybody else, maybe the Dodgers could put something together because fuck the Dodgers. They could do whatever they want. They could do whatever the hell they want. That's about it. And I I almost feel like sometimes you might listen to this podcast if you're listening and think that we're anti-Dodgers. It's just that they are in such an amazing place. I love them as a franchise. Oh, yeah. They do everything perfect. Even it's like that like really Gavin good looking Locke. nice guy that you're just like, fuck that dude, even though you, you like him. And it's just like he's he's good looking, smart and nice. Like, you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's the Dodgers. It's just like it's annoying how perfect they are. Another example, like Gavin Lux is a guy who maybe they could have missed on. That was their top. No, of like, course. Nope. Not. Dustin no. May may be on the shelf, but he's going to come back throwing turbo sinkers. You got oh, a yeah. problem in the bullpen? Blake Trinan's coming back. They yeah. can make any trade they want. They have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They have the highest payroll. They live in sunny LA where the stadium is packed with 50,000 fans who all love their team to death. They're a perfect organization who is, I know you could say, you know, they've choked in the playoffs. You know, you could say, Whatever. I also hate this point, the Mickey Mouse title in 2020. I hate that even in the NBA too with the LeBron Lakers. That doesn't make any sense to me. Every team was under the same rules. It's not that the Dodgers came in middle of the season in 162, only played 60 and then made it to the title. No, they were all under the same yeah. thing. Like I, I never understood that. So the Dodgers are just so perfect. So when we say fuck the Dodgers and all this kind of stuff, it's no. because you can't you literally cannot get any better than no, what the I, Dodgers have done over these past like half decade now. It's funny because they they have so many players that like when I dive into the Dodger system, it's one of my favorite systems to dive into. When I watch them at the big league level, I'm excited when a Dodgers game's on. Like I I love the Dodgers and what they bring to baseball, but at the same time, fuck them because it's annoying how good they are. And that's that's what I mean by when I say fuck the Dodgers. Exactly. Like normal people would just be like, fuck the Yankees. No, no, fuck the Dodgers. They're yeah. the worst version of yeah. the Yankees. The Yankees, the Yankees give you enough entertainment with the way that they they flounder. I know that I know the Dodgers choke, but it's not it's not as funny. It's, it's not, not as, as funny as, when they choke. It really isn't. So any other thoughts on the Scooble situation? Because I, I don't think the there's a team that's really I don't think the teams that are able to do it will, unless it's the Jays. That's the only team that seems desperate enough. Even the Cardinals, I don't think they're that desperate. I, I just don't think there's a team desperate enough to pay for four. You don't see a pitcher with that many years of control ever hit the market. I, I, I don't really understand how a, a team could put together a package that makes sense. Totally agree. Let's move on to question number seven. The Diamondbacks have a great future with Drew Jones, Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, and Jordan Lawler. Mm-hmm. What do you think about trading Zach Gallon or Merrill Kelly for some infield help like Nolan Gorman or Jordan Walker from the Cardinals. Also, there was a couple of questions about Stone Garrett, who's been yeah. breaking for them in the minor leagues. Um, that was asked by a couple of different people, but the main one was asked by Andrew Brimley on Twitter. First, let's just touch on Stone Garrett for a second. Of course. What have you seen from him? And then we'll move on to potential Diamondback steals. You want to know something funny about Stone Garrett? Um, I... <laughs> I can dig up some tweets from a couple years ago where I was like, Stone Garrett, you know, dark horse in the Marlins system, blah, blah, blah. Um, but just, he never kind of like really took the next level. Marlin. Yep. 
they let him walk in minor league free agency, meaning that they didn't even tender him a minor league contract. They said, nah, you're good. You can walk that. Or he just wanted out and, and signed. So he signs with the diamondbacks. This is his first year or second year in a new system. And he is going off. He made some small swing adjustments. He adjusted his approach. Um, and you know, now he's, he's really just locked in on hunting fastballs. He's laying off breaking balls better than ever. His swing is more efficient. His moves are simpler. And all of a sudden now he, he is putting up a ridiculous season and in triple a right now for, for the D backs. It's just so classic. It's so classic, but we're going to see him get a chance. I think once David Peralta gets dealt, they'll give him a shot. Dominic Fletcher is another guy that's been raking in that system. System's good. And that's the thing is, do they need to trade both? Maybe one of them. I wouldn't trade both. And do they even need to trade one of them? Like, what if they held on to them? Are are the D-backs that far off? That's the question. Like, what do the D-backs do? I was thinking about this the other day. Like, maybe you trade a Christian Walker. But, I mean, like, Alec Thomas is up. Corbin Carroll is going to be up next year. Um, Cattell Marte is locked up. Uh, they've got some good pieces. Carson Kelly, Dalton Varsho. Like this is a good young team. The pitching is, is starting to come together better than it ever did. And they've got young pitching prospects that are starting to make their way to the big league level. Do you just kind of start to move forward here? I, I don't know. I, I would consider not trading those guys. I wouldn't be shocked if the D back stand pat. I wouldn't be shocked if the D back stand pat either, but I do think that they can cash in on Merrill Kelly. Kelly, I'm okay. I, I say That's hold on to Gallon. One. I would hold on to Gallon too because what do you what do you think Gallon is? Is Gallon I don't think Gallon's an ace. No. Is he a two in a playoff rotation? I don't even know about that either. I think he's a really, really strong three. So I still think that you need more pitching, but at the end of the day, Merrill Kelly is 33 years old and it's probably time to just move off him, cash in on a Merrill Kelly right now. And it's 3.04 ERA. I mean, even all the expected stats, like everything looks great. That's why I think he'd be a great addition for somebody at the deadline, but I just don't know if he works into your future. Maybe he does because he doesn't rely on high velo. He's a command guy. I don't think that's just going to leave him anytime soon. But it's also funny. I mean, 2019, when he was 30 years old, was his first season in Major League Baseball. So he might not have as many innings under his belt as a lot of people think he does at age 33. You know, could he be a guy who really does last a while with the Diamondbacks and and eats up innings for them for a long time? God, he's a sneaky 33. (laughs) Right? Like he is older than Bumgarner. (laughs) Which is insane. (laughs) You would you would. You would stump so many people on that question. Like who's older, Merrill Kelly or Madison Bumcarner? Like, are you serious? I wouldn't even blink and I'd say Mad Bum. I feel Um, like Mad Bum's thrown thousands of innings. Yes, correct. No, I agree. I think Carol, or sorry, Kelly is a guy that you could be okay with trading. And noting that he is well over 30 years old. Gallon, I don't, I don't see a need to trade him. Um, I think that's a guy you can you can hold on to. But if if the return and look at the market, dude, there's not that many good controllable pitchers on the market. I, I think Kelly could be an interesting guy for them. 
um, to, to potentially look to trade. And I think that he could bring in a good return. Other than that, I don't think they need to go crazy. Trade Peralta, trade a couple pieces here and there, uh, and, and maybe Walker and go from there. But uh, I would keep Gallon. I, I, it's so hard to find good pitching. The D-backs have struggled to do so. They swapped Jazz for Gallon for a reason. Um, hold on to Gallon. But I see why the question was asked, because they do need infield help. Because, they I mean, do. a guy like Geraldo Perdomo is not the answer. No, but I don't I don't love Perdomo. Josh Rojas might be the answer. It could be a okay. Or like he's a good utility guy. Like, he's been better. But it's second base. I mean, if Cattell Marte isn't playing there and he's playing in the outfield, which maybe he moves back to second with yeah. all of these outfielders. Maybe. That probably makes sense, but... Maybe they do an old, like one of the unique trades where you package a prospect, an outfield prospect like a Dominic Fletcher with a Christian Walker to get a higher profile infield prospect. Like maybe that's something you do. Uh, I, I do think that Kelly's the easiest way to get an infield prospect, but they might be able to get one with with you know some of the other guys that they can part with. So I, I think Kelly's that guy that can really get you the biggest return, but maybe they can pull it off in another way. Lawler is far away, and that is that is kind of the annoying part about the infield situation. They're so loaded in the outfield. So maybe moving from a Fletcher or or a Stone Garrett type and, and doing a prospect for prospect kind of deal too could be an option for them. Absolutely. Let's move into our last question. Question number eight. This is a good one about baseball cards, and it makes sense because we will be doing a break with – Wild Cards trading our boys T and Kendall. They're going to be breaking on the Whatnot app, pulling the new 2022 Bowman Hobby Box. That's going to be really fun. That's Look at you my... knowing all the words. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm really collecting all these cards, and it's so much fun. And I'm learning the lingo. I'm getting better. And if you're like me and want to just have some fun, might as well get that free $10 gift card in the episode description to whatnot and just hang out during the break and let's talk baseball cards. And this one I'm obviously going to throw over to you because you've been doing this now for a very long time. So question number eight, I recently found my childhood collection of baseball cards. What things do I look for in those cards to see if they have any value to sell? That was asked by Jared Cochran on Twitter. So let's say, Aram, I give you a big Trader Joe's bag full of baseball cards. It's all over the place. I found them in my basement. What are what's some advice that you're giving me on what to look for through those? Yeah, so I'm assuming if Jared Cochran's not 85 years old, so the childhood cards are not from the 1930s or 40s. Um, you know, if it's modern cards, number one thing is you know it has to be a rookie card, right? Like it just the the cards today are so uh, mass produced or were for a while, and now they've found ways to kind of you know, make them a little bit more rare uh, that it has to be a rookie card. So you're looking for, you know, notable players and you're looking for rookie cards or anything with the word Bowman on it, because that's the prospect cards. And as we know, the Bowman cards are, are the what everybody's haunting, what everybody's breaking. And, you know, you could go back and find like Bryce Harper Bowman cards or I have an Albert Pujols Bowman card that um, I, I've held on to for, for 15 years now that I know is appreciated quite nicely. So Look for Bowman or the rookie card kind of label on there. The number two is the condition. You know, with, with the newer cards, they've got to be in, in pretty pristine condition. Um, but yeah, I think the number one thing that you got to look for is is rookie card or Bowman. And if that's the case, then look that up. You can search the card number on the back and PSA has a really awesome database where I can tell you recent cards that have sold for that amount. You can also look on eBay uh, and get the prices that way. Uh, that's the way I've always done it. But um, I'm always I'm always open to uh, 
anytime anybody has any questions about their collection or something like that, my DMs are open. I try to catch up and keep up on there. Um, and uh, happy to answer any questions there. But definitely look for the rookie cards and then make sure those things are sleeved up. Make sure those things are sleeved up and, and then look up the cards by, you know, their description on the back. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We only had eight questions, but I do feel like we did a good job talking about basically every team at least once. We went through everything. Thanks again for asking all of these different questions on our Twitter, on our Instagram. I also want to shout out, if you are still looking for prospect knowledge, go check out Arms Podcast, The Call-Up. It is so freaking good. Thank you, sir. to it about the draft. That's what I'm trying to always digest because – I just get, I'm obsessed with the MLB draft. Like I call myself a draft (laughs) prostitute. I'm always obsessed with it. Um, So go check that out. And also on not gambling advice, we've switched over. We're doing less fantasy stuff and I'm just recording my MLB best bets in the morning. You can hear all of my analysis daily for the MLB best bets, which you can also find my full article on justbaseball.com. And go check out State of the Division, another one of our podcasts, breaking down each team's needs for the deadline. And Arm just recorded a great episode with Jeff Conan on Outside yeah, the Yeah, we're back, baby. They're back. We're back. He's He's got some more free time again. Uh, I've got some more free time, and we're, we're carving out a schedule. Awesome episode on Jeff picked a tool from each player. Uh, basically, that he played against or with to build the ultimate player. So we took, you know... One guy's power tool, one guy's hit tool, one guy's speed tool, one guy's base running. And it's not all the names you would expect, uh, which is what made it really interesting. And at first I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then he explained it all. And obviously he knows better than us. So <laughs> I was like, all right. And as he explained it, it was really interesting. Um, So like that was a really awesome episode. We also got a little bit into the Castellanos reporter situation. Obviously, Jeff took Castellanos' side, and that was really funny. Um, so check that episode out to hear from uh, longtime big leaguer Jeff Conine. It's Outside the Box with Jeff Conine. That podcast is back home. And you're definitely going to see that clip on TikTok because I cannot wait to hear what he has to say about the five best tools in MLB history. Anything else before we go? That's all for me. We got a lot of deadline coverage. Can't wait to do more episodes with you on all this. And the best way to support our podcast, if you go buy yourself some Just Baseball merch, that is in our episode link description as well. And if you could rate us five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, and write a review. Tell us what you like about the podcast. And uh, don't write your review about what you don't like. Just DM us. You know, I'll yeah, just, just, you know, we'll just go back yell at us in the DMs. DMs. Don't write those on the review. Tell us what you like on our review. We would greatly appreciate it. And with that, thank you, everybody. 